you got to get past proof and get to faith. And that's where you find God. Amen. All right, Josh, I need you one more time. I know, I know, I know, I know the time. We're a busy church because we got a lot of good people who've got a lot of things going on. That's not something to apologize about. We got we got it going on this morning, okay? Because Jesus got it going on. Josh, before we read this, get into this fairly brief work, hopefully. Could you blow that shofar one more time? That was a powerful blast to the shofar. Yeah. Come on, just stand in the, in the room right now. Just to re give me, I, want, I, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would start to penetrate your heart and soften your heart for the word that's coming. God knows that your eyes will be open 
as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and the fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Adam, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you you were naked? The Lord asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? You may be seated. So, we start with this scripture because we're talking about intimacy. And, and I want to, 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 to just set the groundwork on what God originally intended relationship with man to look like. I want to show you what God wanted for mankind. I want to show you originally what God's relationship looked like with man. Because I think a lot of times we have a hard time being intimate with God because we have a hard time being intimate with people. Some of us, we have daddy issues. We have issues with our childhood and our past that we have a problem being intimate with other males or females or both. And sometimes we pass that on to God because God's our ultimate father, right? And we give him human characteristics. But I want to, I want to start with this verse to show you that in the beginning was God, and in the beginning was man and woman that He created eventually, Adam and Eve. And yes, there was an Adam and Eve. And yes, it was an Adam and Eve. And yes, it was a man and a woman. And yes, they had relationship with God in the garden. And God would spend one-on-one -on -one intimate time with man and woman. You come down in the cool breeze as we see and walk with them. Oh, God seems so far from me. But God never intended God to be far from you. He intended to spend time with you. To walk in the cool of the evening by your side and be intimate with you. Now something happened in that situation. That was what God's plan was. But God, but man did something they weren't supposed to do. They were disobedient. And that disobedience led to something. God told them, you know, do anything you want, but one thing. Don't eat this fruit. They were disobedient. How many of you know sometimes we're disobedient? It's not, you know, I, I really don't think most times it's that we don't know good from evil. You know what? 
I think everyone in this room, except maybe the smallest of children that we dedicated this morning, you know and I know good from evil. You know right from wrong. It's not about knowing. You don't need to be taught right. I mean, I think sometimes people think they come to church to be taught right from wrong. You don't need me to tell you right from wrong. It's not my place to tell you right from wrong. It's not my place to go to your neighbor. That's what we want sometimes. You know, in relationship counseling, don't you get that? Go tell my spouse they're doing wrong. That's not my place to tell your spouse they're doing wrong. If they are doing wrong, then I guarantee they know they're doing wrong. And they don't need me to tell them that. We don't get in trouble because we don't know right from wrong. We know right from wrong. It's that we don't do right. <laughs> or we do wrong and we self-rationalize it and call it right in our own head. But deep at night, you know it's not right. So the woman was disobedient. How many knows we're disobedient people? Even our dogs are disobedient. Leave it out. Mama, I don't remember who was sick. <laughs> Somebody was sick and Mama made me some food. Or maybe made Val food. Made somebody food, but if it comes in the house, believe you me, it's fair game. So if you didn't get making Val food, you might, she might get some of it. And I don't eat sweets very often. I really don't. But uh, Mom knows that every once in a while I like a plain sugar cookie. I think it tastes like white Play-Doh. And I find that strangely delicious. <laughs> Some of you shook your head. Some of you are like, I like the yellow Play-Doh. And they're sitting up on this snack bar this high. And old Bernadoodle. Old Booney. When nobody was looking, climbed up. And ate every single. I never got one cookie. Let me teach you something though. When we walked in and looked at our little dog. Our dog's not a person. It looked at us. I believe in all my heart that dog knew he did wrong. I believe that the dog knows right from wrong. I, I believe he really did. Now some of you, I mean, you may not believe that, but if you have a dog and they get into something, the problem is not that we're not, they don't know right from wrong. The problem is we're disobedient people, okay? And so Eve was disobedient. And from her disobedience, it led to the next state called inadequacy. Her disobedience to God led her, her and Adam to a feeling of inadequacy. What do you mean? All of a sudden they realized they were naked. What is naked? Inadequate. Not clothed. Disobedience leads to inadequacy. When you do wrong and I do wrong, we feel naked. We feel inadequate. And then because we're inadequate, we lash out at others. 
Because we are inadequate, we feel inadequate. So disobedience leads to the feeling of nakedness. So you say, well, they were naked. Well, they were naked before they ate the fruit. Didn't bother them. In fact, when they later told God that we're naked, we feel inadequate. God said, who told you you were naked? <laughs> Some of us in this room, we spend our lives feeling naked and inadequate. And God's looking at you saying, who told you you were naked? <laughs> who told you you were inadequate? You are more than enough. You are more than powerful. I have told you in your own darkness. I have taken your inadequacy. I have taken your nakedness on the cross so that you can put on my royal robes of sufficiency. You are not inadequate. But her disobedience led to inadequacy. Now what's the next step? What did inadequacy lead to? Fear. Fear. Where do you get that? Well, first of all, Adam and Eve were in the garden. They made the fruit. All of a sudden, they know they're inadequate. They get some leaves and try to cover up. They were disobedient first, then they're inadequate. They're in the garden. All of a sudden, it's the cool of the evening. <laughs> the time of God has set aside to come be with them one on one. You want to know how intimate Adam and Eve were of God? God knew the sound. I mean, Adam knew the sound of God's footsteps. You know, I could watch. I was watching my son's game. I had to. Oh man! Sometimes I had to do crazy things for work and stuff I don't want to do. And I hate doing as far as distance and travel and being away from your family. It's horrible. But I was. I was. Trying to watch a little basketball game with my son. And it's so small you couldn't run. But I could see his gait. I could not see his face. I could not see his number. I, I could not make anything. But the way he walked, I knew who Jake was. If you've ever watched on your phone one of those little games, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and Adam knew God so intimately. That he heard his footsteps. He had spent so much time walking with God. That when he heard the footsteps, he knew that was God. That is intimacy. And that is how God wants to know you. He wants to know you such that when you're sitting there and you feel the wind breeze the back of your neck, you know God is in the footsteps and <laughs> the word of God says Adam knew it was God. <sighs> but it says that Adam was afraid <sighs> all of a sudden. He spent all this time with God but now he was inadequate and he's inaccurate to be afraid. He became afraid of God. Sometimes our disobedience Leading to inadequacy leads to a point where you are afraid. You and I become afraid of God. Afraid of God's people. Afraid of, afraid of getting too close. Afraid of, afraid of touching. I don't, I'm afraid. There's a fear that stems from our inadequacy. 
But God never intended for us to be scared. He intended to walk in the evening. The cool breeze is by your side. Yeah. Close relationship. So Adam tells him, I'm afraid. And because it says Adam was afraid, it says, now what did Adam do? Now we think because Eve did something bad that God pushed him away. Not true. Adam and Eve ran and hid from God. First example in the word of God of you and I, man and woman, running from God. Some of us, we've been running from God our whole life. It's because we're afraid and we're inadequate and we've been disobedient and so we're running. Adam ran and hid. Now this was new to God. I mean, God had been used to coming down and spending quality time, closeness. And all of a sudden, He comes down and Adam's not there. Elijah! Where are you? Why are you here? Adam, where are you? I came down to spend time with my boy, my girl. Where are you? You've been here spending time with me. Where'd you go? I came down to the spot where we spent time to walk with you. Where'd you go? Adam? Pete? Where are you? We spent so much time here pouring out my plans for you. And now I can't find you. Where did you go? The fear led the man and the woman to create the distance. God, I've heard people say sin creates distance. It does in a way because sin creates an attitude and an creates fear. And then the result of fear, man and woman run from God. Yeah. See, God gave a remedy for sin. They didn't have to create distance. It's our reaction to the sin and our fear that creates distance. So Adam and Eve ran and hid from God. And so right there you have a breach in intimacy. Intimacy is closeness. Is draw near to me in 23. Intimacy is closeness. But when you create distance, there's lots of room. First thing is to get in between. Just seems like everything gets between me and God. Adam, where are you? You want things not get between you and God? Say no. Oh Lord, they're going to talk about me on this one. Just sit there. Get between us. Get between us. What? Stand up, stand up, please. Y'all think I do it at home? I do it here because I can get away with it. <laughs> Come here, Gerald. Stay in the middle. Come here, Trish. Come here, Steve. Come here, Clea. Get in line. Adam! Adam! 
And you know what distance creates? Lack of purpose or functionality. People come, they get on fire. <laughs> and they look for every excuse to, be, to spend time with God. And then we start to make every excuse to not spend time with God. <laughs> and then you know what happens after that? Stuff starts getting in between. And you know what happens after stuff starts getting in between? We're not functioning too well anymore. That's right. God had to expel them from the garden. Now it's not because God hated them. God continued relationship. But he expelled them from the garden for this reason. The word of God says if they stayed in the garden, they would continue to eat the fruit and they would live forever. And so, in essence, God would have prolonged or created an eternal man that would have been in a fallen state. And God loved you, and I know it's deep, but God loved you and I too much to make us an eternal fallen being. You got that? It's better you die in flesh and live in spirit eternally through a redemptive plan that God has than to be eternal beings forever fallen and separated from Christ. That is why you and I got expelled from the garden. It wasn't the garden was mad. You know, by the way, David Crosby died this week, and they had a song called Back to the Garden. These, these goofballs, and I love the, they had the great harmony. They had great harmony, man. But they, they, they thought we could go back to the garden of Eden. Uh, Eden. The Word of God says there's cherubim with swords. We ain't going back to the garden of Eden, I hate to tell you. But we are going to spend eternity with God in Christ through the power of the blood of the So God is filled with the garden, but God continued relationship. And it was still God's, listen to this, some of you may not know, you may think we've just been eternally separated from God since Adam. Not true. There has been <laughs> repercussions of sin original sin that God talked about that man would have to toil with the soil and scratch to try to make a living and woman would have pain with childbirth and all these things you can read in Genesis but God still continued to walk with man did you know that in the Old Testament how about Genesis 5 how about a man named Enoch he walked so close with God for said 300 years had God walked with him the Word of God said, he, in fact, they were so tight that Enoch never tasted death on this earth. There you go. It said that Enoch and God just started, just did their, their nightly walk. They liked to walk together. And they walked closely for 300 years. And it says they just took their nightly walk and he just walked them home with the Lord. Come on, that is Disobedience leads to inadequacy, leads to fear, leads to us running from God and creating distance. I, I want to read the primary text and we're almost done. I know that you said, well, that's just a warm-up. This next part's short because we can go, we can go, this, this will go. This will be woven in and out of sermons throughout the year. It's already in this book. But 
I want to read Exodus 19 about a man named Moses. And at the point I'm reading this scripture, you got to understand the back again the backstory. Time goes on. There's Babel. There's a flood. There's there's all sorts of things. There's Abraham. The, Abraham, the covenant of Abraham that your descendants will be numerous as the stars, and I will make a nation of my people. And, and, and there's all this. And eventually, there's Joseph the dreamer, and, and Joseph the dreamer is sold into slavery by his brothers. But you know what? God turns around. What God? What the devil meant for his folly, what the devil meant for his destruction, God used for his glory. And so he went to Egypt and became a ruler of Egypt. And it was such an important thing that the Israelites went through a famine. The whole world went through a famine. And his, Joseph's brothers came to Egypt looking for rescue. And there was Joseph the dreamer who rescued them. So Egypt was a place of rescue. Yes. But they stayed too long. There's a time you come to God that you need rescued. But if you stay there too long, it will become a place of bondage. You've got to get hold of this. You've got to progress. You've got to progress. You will come to a point where you will be rescued. You will be like a baby needing rescue. You will be like a sick person in a hospital. And I'm there sometimes and I have been there sometimes. But I'm telling you, you got to get well and you got to get up and you got to leave the place of the hospital. Because the place of your rescue, when you stay too long, becomes the place of your bondage. So what happened? They go to Egypt to escape from a famine. God set that up to Joseph. But they stayed and got comfortable. And as Joseph passed, and the people knew Joseph passed, eventually they became enslaved. And they stayed there 400 years, right? In bondage. Enslaved people beget enslaved people who beget enslaved people and got inside. Addicted people beget addicted people beget addicted people, and it stays entire inside until somebody come on, until somebody to Moses, somebody to the power of God raises up and splits the sea and says, "Not today, devil." Somebody's gotta break the chain. Somebody's gotta lead your children out of bondage. It's hard preaching. But I'll tell you this truth. i got to tell you the truth. If you keep raising your kids, or I keep raising my kids in Egypt, they'll grow up and slave just like I am. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. You see why this is important? Yeah. There's got to be a Moses generation that will get up and lead the children out of bondage. Yeah. Lead the children out of Egypt. If you've got children on your watch, If you have children on your watch, don't you raise them in Egypt. Uh, not when there's a cane in the hand out there. And God has continued and made for you and I. So Moses leads the people out of Egypt and you think they'd be happy. He comes to the sea, he splits the sea, they do all the plagues, and it's miraculous, and they'll pass over and, and they split the sea, it's Pharaoh's army pushes on them and they get across the other side and they're just how many miles mom? how many miles are they to the promised land how many miles are they to purpose mom how much distance 11 miles they're 11 miles to what God is. some of us have been so close yes. Yes. Come on, <laughs> oh and they're 
against Lisa Madison, Lisa feeling at least the distance. And all of a sudden we're back where we started. And telling ourselves we're not. And so Moses comes to the mountain of God and they're I'm going to read the scripture, Exodus 19. I'll try to be fast. Oh, I'll try to be fast. <laughs> exactly. Two months. Say two months. Two months. Now, I want you to understand. You understand that later on, they, they, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And a whole generation died. But here they are only two months into their journey. Some of you in this room may only be two months into your journey. Here they are only two months We're reading again After the Israelites left Egypt They arrived in the wilderness of Sinai After breaking camp at Rephidim They came into the wilderness of Sinai And set up camp there at the base of the Mount Sinai Then Moses climbed the mountain To appear before God Is that intimate enough? The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob and announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and, ooh, and brought you to myself. Intimacy! Intimacy! I brought you to myself. Oh, we got to stop there. I brought them to him. If you think your good deeds, or you're trying real hard, or you're just going to be a good boy, and you're not saying wordy hurts, and you're not doing this, and you're not doing that, if you think that's what's bringing you close to God, make no mistake, you're wrong. God brings you to you, warts and all. He brings you, you to Him, warts and all. He's the one that brings you in. But intimacy has an effect. Now, if you will obey me, there's that word obedience again. And keep my covenant. This is God talking. Listen to people. You will be my special treasure. There's people in this room you don't feel adequate. You don't feel worthy. You don't feel worthy to pray. God says, I brought you to me. To make you my special treasure. From among all the peoples on earth, for all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So Moses returned from the mountain and called together the elders of the people and told them everything the Lord had commanded them. We will do everything, and all the people responded together. We will do everything the Lord has commanded. So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. So Moses goes to the people, says, this is what God said? And they're like, good, sounds like a plan to me. Be a special treasure, a holy people, a holy priesthood. We're in. And so Moses goes back and says, then the Lord said to Moses, I will come to you in a thick cloud, Moses, so the people themselves can hear me when I speak with you. Then they will always trust you. Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord told Moses, Go down and prepare the people for my arrival. 
consecrate them today and tomorrow and have them wash their clothing. Be sure they are ready on the third day, for on that day the Lord will come down on the Mount Sinai as all the people watch. Mark all the boundary, all around the mountain. Watch the people. Be careful. Do not go up on the mountain or even touch its boundaries. Anyone who touches the mountain will certainly be put to death. No hand may touch the person or animal that crosses the boundary. Instead, stone them or shoot them with arrows. They must be put to death. But listen to this. However, say however. When the ram's horn. That's called a shofar. That Josh has blown a couple times really nicely today. When the ram's horn sounds a long blast. Then the people may go up on the mountain. of his holy mountain and he inhabits that place as he inhabited your praise today and there he told Moses you, he, he's talking to Moses Moses is going up and have a relationship Moses is having intimacy and God does establish some distant rules God says this is how you're going to approach me okay there's only certain ways you can I think we can have any path to God there is no way to the Father but by the Son and his name is Jesus there is only one path let me tell you something God still regulates. But God told them when I blow that and that horn blows, that all the people come up and sit in my presence. It was still God's plan to call you into Him and sit in His presence. What a place. What a life. What an experience. You know, Peter, James, and John, it was Jesus on a mountain, and they, they saw the prophet, and they saw Moses, and they heard God, and they were just blind blown. But God intends that for all of us. It's not a place to make a statue. It's not. It's a place to dwell and live. So that was what God told them was going to happen, right? God said, this was what happened, guys. I'm going to come on that mountain and I'm going to come in power. There's going to be a cloud. And, I, and Moses, when, I, when that ram horn blows, then all of you come up on my mountain. 2,000 years ago on a cross, a horn was blown. And God said, come on up on my mountain. That's what God said was supposed to happen. So you get what's supposed to happen. There's what God wants to happen in your and I, my life, and there's what happens. And the difference is what you and I do with it. You say, well, it's God. if it's God's will, it's going to happen. Well, yeah, to a degree. But God gives us free will. I don't believe if I go lay on a train track that God just made me to go get run over by a train. I think I had something to do with that. I think sometimes God lets us have the consequences of our actions. But understand, God made a plan that there's going to be a hormone and all of you want to come to that mountain. So I'm going to skip ahead. And we're going to, this is the last scripture. 
to Exodus 20. So it goes through, they consecrate themselves, and they get ready. They're ready. They're ready. How many feel like sometimes you're trying to get ready? That you want, you know, God, you want God to do something in your life, and you're just trying to get ready. I'm just trying. I've heard people say, I'll come give my life to Jesus. I gotta work a few things out. Oh Lord. Then you said that you are your own salvation. You and I don't have the ability to work anything out that prepares us for salvation. Now, I do know that once God saves us, there are some things that God will work out and we will partner with God and there's going to be some things, we steps we got to take. <laughs> but you know, intimacy will take care of a lot of that. But I get ahead. So the plan was, we got to run them out. I'm going to come. I'm going to speak. And the ram's horn is going to blow. We're all going to run up on the mountain. They're all excited. They're ready. They're ready. They're ready. Are you ready? Yeah. That's all you're ready. If God blows his horn and the, and the, and the smoke comes in the middle and you hear the word, voice of God, then, then that's all you're going to give God in that power. Listen, the praise you saw earlier was a holy ground. It was a take your shoes off, Moses. You're on holy ground. Are you ready? So, we're going to skip to Exodus 20:18. God told us what's supposed to happen. And here's what actually happened. When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn. Now remember, when the ram's horn blasts the loud blast, what are they supposed to do? Say it louder. What are they supposed to do? And who's up the mountain? So they're supposed to run towards who? When they hear the ram's horn, they were told by God, run up the mountain. So the word God says this, when the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance. Trembling with fear. He says, church trembling. But God told him to come on. Yeah. God said, when I have that ram's horn blows, you run to me. Yeah. I'm going to make you a holy nation. Yeah. I'm going to make you a holy nation of priesthood. A priest. I'm going to give you purpose. Yeah. You're going to walk in power. Yeah. You just got to run towards me when the ram blows. More blows. <laughs> but when it blew, and the light back at a distance. Yeah. And they trembled like Adam. Adam, where are thou? Their fear. Obedience has to be bigger than your fear. Your obedience you're going to be told to do stuff that don't feel right or you're scared to do. But you got to do it anyway. That's right. Oh, Mike Tyson cried before every fight, but he still marched down the aisle. <laughs> True story, by the way. They stood in a distance trembling with fear. Remember, disobedience breeds inadequacy, which breeds fear, which breeds distance, which kills purpose. Yes. 
At that moment, from that moment on, that lack of intimacy, I'm here to tell you, sealed their faith. I don't say that God said I'll never do that. I'm not, I can't speak for God. But you, we'll go ahead and look forward just one real quickly about what happened later. It all stems from the fact that they were always standing back from God when He was always calling them in close. I want to keep reading this real quick. It's just a couple more scriptures. And they said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen. But don't let God speak to us or we'll die. <sighs> Look, we're supposed to bring our prayer needs to the, to the church. We're supposed to pray for each other. We're supposed to lift those needs up. We're supposed to know them. We're supposed to lay hands. We're supposed to pray for people. That's a good thing. That's a God thing. That's a Bible thing. That's the Word of God. That's a great thing. But there's a lot of people who have no intimacy with God. And every time they get in trouble, they call a preacher. <laughs> I'm scared. I, I ain't getting close to him. I'm back here. Preacher, you go talk to him and tell me what he said. Pastor R, what do you think he said? Pastor R, you go. Pastor R's probably close to me. But I'm way over here. God never intended you and I to be way over here. But he intended you to charge the Lord of God. says this, don't be afraid, Moses answered him, for God has come in this way to test you, and, and so that your fear for him will keep you from sinning, he's a big God, God and Moses said he's a powerful God, but don't be afraid of him, he's gave you his word, he's gave us his word, he's gave us his word, so Moses encourages him, they say, Moses, we don't want to go up the mountain because we're going to stay back here. But Moses, you go up and talk to him. You just tell us what he says. I need a prophecy. <laughs> I don't want to do it myself, but I want a prophecy. I want to get out of jail for each part. When I really need him, I want to have somebody I can call. When I got a problem, I want to have somebody I can call. But I don't want to live in intimacy of a holy God because I'm scared and inadequate. Moses tries to encourage him. Come on, guys. Preachers stand in the pulpits. Come on, guys. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do this. this last week, maybe Wednesday or something. It's funny how the same text that says let's go up the mountain and be with God together becomes a pain when you don't need Him anymore or you're afraid or you've got distance in your life. When you were hungry for God and that pastor sent you that text, you know what your response is? Let's go! Let's go! It becomes annoying at other times because our distance. So here's what it says. Listen to this. It's the last scripture I'm reading. Listen. As the people stood in a distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. Come here. Valerie. 
God comes on the mountain. And God told them all to go charge the mountain. One went. And others backed up. God's will that everybody in here get into the team. Such that nothing or nobody will get in between. And when you're intimate with Him, all the rest of the stuff works out. Well, can you still know this and be a Christian? Can you still get into the God and you'll, it'll work out and you'll figure it out because you won't want to do those things in the movie. It's God's will that everybody in this room be intimate with Him. 2,000 years ago, His Son came. He made a way. You don't have to wait for a ram's horn on a Sunday morning. Oh, I think they're pretty awesome. I think Josh does a good job. But now, the ram's horn's already blown and we have access to the throne of God. It's His will through the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross and He defeated death, hell, and the grave and He got out of the dirt and then He sent the Holy Spirit who you can read about in the whole book of Acts <laughs> and the rest of the New Testament. Holy Spirit didn't come so you could speak in unknown languages, although you will. Holy Spirit came to give you power. Yes. To affect your life, to change your life. But God has created a way. He's called us all to this morning. He's called us all for our lives, not just this morning. Maybe He's reminding us this morning. But He's calling you to intimacy. Intimacy. Closeness with Him. One on one. You don't need a proxy. You'll have leadership. I can give you scripture for that too. To help you, guide you. They still have Moses. He was there to lead them. But God still wanted to spend time with them. Now here's the deal. Some of us in the room decide it's God's will we all go be with Him today. It's God's will that we all charge the mountain and be intimate with Him. But in a room this size, there's a chance. I hope I'm wrong. Because I'm optimistic. I think we can all do that today. And I think we can. I think we will. I believe that for you. But in a big size room, there's a chance that some people will charge that mountain. And some people will stand back. And I guess the question is why? If God's Word says, and I could give you so many more New Testament scriptures, we'll get there. I mean, I, I can't do it today. I mean, we're just in Exodus. Genesis and Exodus. We've, we've, that's a long way in, in, in 30 minutes, 40 minutes. But if God's Word is that He wants a relationship with you, the kind I demonstrated earlier when I hugged my wife, not the kind when I was trying to hug Gerald trying to get to my wife. I love you, Gerald. But I like hugging my wife better than I like hugging you. I hope that's no offense. Contrary. Laughter's okay. 
question is why will some go towards God and some will be satisfied to spend their life back here calling for a preacher to talk to God for them and live in fear of a distance truly why what are we afraid of maybe it goes back to Eve Maybe our disobedience has led to inadequacy. We don't feel adequate, and that makes us feel afraid. Yeah. Maybe that fear creates the distance. They say, what's the opposite of love? They say, it's not hate. Because you have a lot of passion when you hate. They say, fear is the opposite of love. Maybe that fear is what keeps us back here. Yeah. But what are you scared of? What are you really scared of? Do I look scary? Sometimes. Always. I'm not scary. I'm a little bit loud sometimes too. But you know why I'm loud? Because I'm passionate. I'm passionate. You know what I want to coach my son? Somebody's passionate. I want somebody's passionate. You know who I like to go to war with? Somebody's passionate. You know who I like to serve with? Somebody's passionate. Will be loud, but passion. What are we scared of? What are we scared of? Why? Why are we satisfied to live our life back here when He called us up here? And maybe all that stuff and lack of purpose and lack of fulfillment. And you know in your heart if you're not fulfilled right now. You know if you're not living a total hundred percent purpose because if you still know, you know. You know. You don't need me like the right from wrong thing. You don't need me to tell you you're not living in your purpose-driven life. You don't need that. You don't need me to read the book. Don't even have to read it though. You know whether you are living on purpose, in purpose, in your destiny, in the place God has for you or not. Everybody in here knows. Now whether you've been here or I've been here, what we tell ourselves, that could be a different story. But you know when you go to bed at night whether you're living the life that God has purposed for you. Completely. Because distance will kill your purpose every time. Distance will kill your purpose every You want to live in your purpose? You want to get to Canaan land? Charge the mountain. Try to talk to God. Or bus drivers, or they don't get paid either. <laughs> or, or treasurers, 
or, 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 or ushers or, or people that deal with homeless ministry or people that work out or people that go to prison. It's because in our own way, we're all chasing the mountain. We're all running after God. And your run can look different, I don't know, but I know one thing. When you find God, you say, well, how, is He hiding from you? No, you're hiding from Him. Anywhere I go! When you come out of hiding and let God find you, maybe I should say it that way. You'll find your purpose. And all this stuff, well, I don't know, preacher, if I'm going to raise my hand or I want to jump or I want to dance or I want to talk in tongues or I want to lay hands on people or I want to see dead people raised or I want to see healings or I want to go to prisons. I don't care. God work all that out. Get close to me. I, I, I don't think there's one way to get close to God. Just get close to Him. Just don't fear Him. Just don't be afraid today. Just get close. Just run towards Him and just see what happens. It might be a journey. You, you're probably not the first day you're going to do all of this, this, and that, but maybe God will change things along the way. Maybe that's what intimacy will happen. Will cause. But I know this, and we finish. If you keep it a distance, there's always going to be stuff coming between you and God and your purpose. You'll never get that hug from 20 feet away. You got to close the gap, guys. And stop running in fear. Thank you for being patient. I know there's more we're going to talk about this down the road, but that's all I've got time today. Could you bow your heads? Is there anybody in here to be honest and say sometimes he... I do feel distance. I do feel like where's God when I need Him. I do feel like where am I? And I'm not sure sometimes where I am or if I'm walking my purpose. I'm curious. I'm here because I'm curious. <laughs> there's part of me that wants more of God and wants more of life. But I don't know what that looks like and there's some distance in my life. Could you just raise your hand with me all over this building? Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. God loves an honest heart. I think God's doing something right now as you raise your hand. Just keep raising. There's people right now wanting to raise your hand and you're you're, fe you're fearful. You're like Eve. You're fearful. I can't do it. I don't, want, I don't know if I can do all this crazy stuff that you guys do. You're crazy, man. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. But I know I'm running up the mountain. And I may not have it all figured out, but I'm chasing. How about you? How about you? People just keep raising your hand. I think people are going to start to continue to raise. I think there's people that don't have your hand up. You're going to start to raise it because you're thinking about it. And I think fear's worth There's a lot of hands up, but I think there's other people who are going to start raising it. Come on. Right now, be obedient. You know. You know. You know. Put it up. You know. Come on. There's people raising their hand. Come on. All over the room. You know. You know. Oh, don't fight. What are you afraid of? What's going to happen? What's the worst going to happen? <laughs> What is the worst that's going to happen? Well, what if I mess up? Well, what if you do? <laughs> you will. I'll take the pressure off. You will. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. Any more hands? Keep it up high. Put it up a little higher. Don't put a little barely hand up because I think God wants you to be a chaser. God wants you to be a chaser. Chaser. Chase God. You chase God boldness. Hallelujah. 
Keep them up. Now what I'm going to do, put them up high. High as you can put them. If you've got a shoulder problem, then I get you. Put them up as high as you can. Put them up as high as you can. God is calling you to the mountain. God is calling you in a greater relationship with Him. I'm going to count to three. Keep your hands up. You keep your And there's some people getting ready to put them up. There's some people getting ready to put some of your hands up. There's some more people getting ready to put your hand up right now. Put it up. Put it up high. Come on, you go. Don't fight it. Don't fight God. Come on, don't fight God. Oh, don't be scared. I'm going to count to three. When I hit three, I want everybody in this room to stand up in one motion. Hands up high. All over this room, God chasers. God chasers. The word God said, some came. And some, one charged the mountain and some ran away from the mountain. Today, I call on God's people to charge the mountain. To chase God to a greater level of intimacy. When I count to three, I want to see God's people go and move towards God. One, two, stay. Three, move, move, chase, 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 chase. Nothing in between you and God. Chase, chase. Come on, push, push to the floor, brother. Push to the front. Push to the front. Come on, make room. Push, push, push. God chasers. God chasers. Push, 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 push. If you raise your hand, come forward. We're just going to pray. We're just going to pray nothing crazy. We're not going to let them take nobody. Come on. Push, 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 push. Come on, God chasers. If you raise your hand, I invite you forward. I invite you forward. We're just going to pray together right now. Pray for intimacy in Jesus' name. Can I have some, can I have some altar workers praying for some people?